Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Jared Yates Sexton. He has a new book coming out called The Midnight Kingdom, A History of Power, Paranoia, and the Coming Crisis. Jared is brilliant, and I can't wait to talk to him. But before I do... The Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup, and don't forget forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my conversation with Jared Yates Sexton. Welcome back to the show, Jared. Hey, thank you for having me. This is uh, long overdue. (laughs) It is. It's been a long ass time, but you've been really busy. I know you wrote a new book. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I I left academia. Um, I, I staked out on my own. I'm writing and analyzing in real time and full time and I wrote a book and now I got to deal with that. It's got to go out in the world. Oh my God. Okay. So it's called the midnight kingdom, a history of power, paranoia, and the coming crisis. Now I want you, this is coming out in January, correct? That's right. Okay. So not long and tell us about the book. (laughs) Well, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, I, I, we were just talking before we started recording about how long we've been talking and dealing with politics now. Yeah. I kind of fell in the deep end of the pool in 2016, um, reporting from these Trump rallies. And, you know, I, 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 I'm a very curious person. I want to know how things work, you know. And so, like, you know, the last book I wrote, American Rule, was about relearning American history and understanding mm-hmm. this country and how we could have arrived at 2016. And now the, it was very apparent to me that there was this crisis that we were arriving at. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and you know, everybody keeps talking about Western civilization and, you know, there's all these calls for, like, authoritarians and dictators. And I wanted to go back and look at power and conspiracy theories. And so I basically relearned the entirety of uh, modern history, starting mm-hmm. with Rome, to basically understand how power works, the way it protects itself using religion, conspiracy mm-hmm. theories, white supremacist lies. And basically what I came to understand is that we are on the precipice of a generational and uh, world-defining change. Mm-hmm. And so we are, we're sort of tiptoeing up into like a really, really crucial moment. And I think we have to understand the past and who we are and where we are if we're going to make it better. Wow. Okay. So before, I just have to share this with everyone. Before we went on the show, we were just talking privately. I told you that uh, I had this like euphoric feeling. It was on 11-11 and we had already pretty much, we knew Democrats did well. We didn't know that the Republicans were going to take the House yet, but we figured they would. And, you know, it was just going to be a slim majority, blah, blah, blah. So I was just like sitting there on my couch and I call it my after dinner Twitter. (laughs) There's a reason. But anyway, um, I just got this overwhelming euphoric feeling and you said to me that you feel very optimistic and you think that there is some kind of like energetic universal change or something like that and I'm just gonna have to agree but I want to know what you have to say about them so curious especially because before we started talking you told me that you're feeling really optimistic and I love hearing that Well, and, and I'll go ahead. And for those who maybe have heard me on this show before, or maybe they have no idea who the hell I am, um, I kind of have a reputation as a little bit of a prophet of doom. <laughs> I, because, you know, for the past six years, like I saw this thing forming and I told everybody back in 2016, hey, this is not going to mm-hmm. go away. Mm-hmm. This is going to get worse and things are things are heading down a certain path. And I want to make it very clear we're in a lot of danger right now. Like this is a really, really dangerous moment. And the more that I study history and the more that I understand these cycles, the more apparent it is to me just how dangerous Mm -hmm. this is. But I also want to point out that there, when, when the danger is at its highest, so like when you have authoritarianism, right now, obviously, we're, we are seeing so much anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. We're seeing so many terrible, terrible conspiracy theories and, and white supremacist things just coming out of the woodwork. And sometimes it feels... You know, sometimes it feels like the, the energy is bad, the vibes are bad, yeah. and they absolutely are. 
But one of the things that is very, very apparent at this moment is that there are these times where reality and the world and society, they feel very ironclad, mm -hmm. like nothing could ever possibly change. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and you're like, man, this is just the way it's going to be forever. And then there are these moments of what I call malleability. Mm -hmm. And these are moments where almost anything could happen, you know? And, and, and those moments are, they're both exhilarating but terrifying. Mm -hmm. And the problem here is that the right wing, the Republican Party, a lot of the associated people, a lot of the uh, billionaires and oligarchs in the world, they understand that something is changing, yeah. right? Because they are at the nexus of power. But I do believe that something that has changed recently, and I am feeling it, it's, it's affecting every relationship, every situation mm -hmm. in my life, every conversation I'm having about politics, philosophy, society. There is a feeling that perhaps not only is the moment malleable, but that it might lead to something better. Hmm. And authoritarians and the right wing, when they feel like their grip on power is slipping, they have no choice but to be uglier. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. As their desperation grows. And what we're feeling right now and what we're witnessing right now, I truly honestly believe is a defining moment in which we can make the future better. Mm -hmm. We can we can change a lot of things that need to be changed, these old structures, these decaying structures. But right now, the right wing is basically the only people who are organizing on that front right, and by yeah. organizing i mean in the halls of power yeah so it's going to take us and it's going to take a lot of our communities and structures but i am very optimistic that we're going to win this thing so let me ask you this i mean i i'm kind of going out of order on my questions for you yeah. um but okay so we we didn't get the house we were likely gonna warnock is likely gonna win it looks like victor she keeps posting about uh gen z showing up and it's really impressive, and I'm, I mean, he's not the only one, but I follow him, and I see his tweets constantly. So it's like I'm grateful to see that young people are, are coming out, even, even though it's under unfortunate circumstances, I always maintain it usually takes people to be uncomfortable to get them to act. So, you know, like when we're comfortable, we just kind of sit back and don't do anything, and then when we're uncomfortable, we're like, yeah, I'm going to go vote. Yep. So now moving into where it's already the election season for 2024 because we live in 24 seven election season. Yep. So now there are a lot of the election deniers lost. That's good. But then we also got a bunch of people who are just right wing crazy fanatics in. So this next election coming up in 2024, that's something that I'm, you know, I mean, we're all concerned about, we can talk about all the details of Trump running and this and that. Ultimately, though, you are feeling optimistic and you think we can get things done. What is it that you see, you know, going toward the 24 election that is going to be to the benefit of, of normal people who are nice and friendly? And <laughs> well, you know, I feel like every time we talk, there's a moment where I say, please pardon me if I get a little too in the weeds here. Um, and this is coming early because what yes. we're talking about, I mean, there it's are very early. My, my God, there are 25 to 30 subjects in, in everything because this is, again, such a defining strange moment. Right. Yeah. So I, I want to go ahead and say this. If, if we're going to talk about deep politics, right, if mm -hmm. we're going to go beyond just elections and which bill is getting passed or whatever, like the United States government and most of the governments around the world have been completely bought off. Mm -hmm. um, wealthy people and corporations and special interests, dark money, have just absolutely owned our representative bodies. Mm -hmm. So in that way, it's not a coincidence that not a lot happens on the federal level that's been intentional. Yeah. A lot of the power has moved down to the state level, which mm -hmm. is where people like Ron DeSantis or Greg Abbott have really taken the reins, right? So in terms of what's going to happen over the next couple of years, and in America, and from a legislative uh, point, I think it's going to be a pretty shallow couple of years. Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot's going to get passed. I think the Republicans are going to waste a ton of money going after Hunter Biden's laptop mm -hmm. and all of this. It's, it's going to be a, a big, giant uh, dog and pony show. Mm -hmm. But a couple of things are taking place right now. Um, 
the next two years I think are going to feel are, are going to feel a lot like ten years. <laughs> um, we have so many things that are happening on the geopolitical, socioeconomic scale that it's almost hard to even get into them. Um, almost everybody who pays attention whatsoever to the economy and isn't just a complete and utter shill understands that it's in real trouble. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's in real trouble is because the brakes were taken off decades ago. And since 2008, the brakes were not applied. So it's going to go through these um, cycles of, of bubbles and pops, mm-hmm. right? Where it melts down, then it goes up and it gets big. We're currently in a pop type situation. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but the globalism structure, that global capitalist structure, it's in trouble. And one of the things that people need to understand is we were told the globalism, like having factories everywhere else and having this interdependent structure, that it was going to last forever. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's falling apart. And, you know, the U.S.-China rivalry is going to lead to more factories in the U.S. It's going mm-hmm. to lead to so many different labor situations. Um, we have no idea what's going to happen over the next couple of years, but it is going to test us. Mm-hmm. And the question is, as those things are taking place, how are our politics going to change? Well, I can tell you what the Republican Party is going to do. The Republican Party is going to grow more and more extreme. They're going to take on more and more fascistic tendencies. And their answer, as their answer has always been, is to make sure that people do work for no money and that vulnerable people, people of color, women, gay people, you name it, are going to suffer the brunt of the the problem, right? That's that's what the Republican Party is going to do. And we can talk about Trump's part in that and all of that. Mm -hmm. The question is... What is the Democratic Party going to do? Mm-hmm. Is the Democratic Party going to be the party of Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema? Mm-hmm. Or is the Democratic Party going to become the Democratic Party that works with labor unions and vulnerable communities? Because there is a growing labor movement and populist movement in this country, and it needs to challenge the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, and if the party starts to change, all of a sudden we're going to have a completely different socioeconomic environment. And that means by 2024, there's almost no way to predict what that's going to look like. But there are lots of um, there are lots of avenues that we can anticipate and then analyze based on them. Wow. Let me ask you this, because I I do agree with you that the Republican Party, just because of what they've shown us, they're just going to keep doubling down on their hatred and bigotry and all that. But it seems to me, and, and I'm not an expert on anything, it just seems to me that if they went the way of like Yunkin, right? The the governor in Virginia, where they have this friendly looking man in sweater vests not saying the bad part out loud that they would probably do better. Why aren't they doing that? And I mean, I don't want them to because it's a manipulation, but why aren't they doing that? Well, so they would, but the problem, and, and this is again, let's get in the weeds here. So the problem in America is that the two parties are expressions of what the market wants, mm-hmm. right, uh, of what capitalism wants. So on one hand, the Democratic Party basically has a monopoly over this, which is the market is the most important thing, but also we don't want to make people feel bad, right? We don't yeah. want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to, we don't want to be cruel. We want to be uh, inclusive, all of those things. We're still going to make sure that you go to work and you're not going to get paid exactly what you deserve. <laughs> But we want to do it in the kind way, like a like a human resources (laughs) officer. Right. Because that's what the Democratic Party has become. It's become the party of professional managerial class. That's what it is. The Republican Party has to be the expression of the economy at all costs. And we saw this during COVID. Right. The the Republican Party was the was the ones where it was like, grow up. Yes, you might die. Yeah. But guess what? (laughs) Fuddruckers must serve, you know? And so that's what the Republican Party has to be. And and as things change and as this market starts to fall apart um, and as it starts to, like, really, really suffer, the market demands discipline, Mm -hmm. right? We can have benefits. We can have decent pay as long as things are good or as long as profits are, you know, growing. Mm -hmm. But the moment that they stagger, all of a sudden that means that they're, you know, it's, it's almost like when you're at a job and all of a sudden it's like, oh, the coffee machine's gone. 
oh, we don't have free snacks anymore. What's going on here? And the next thing you know, it's like beatings will continue until morale improves. (laughs) (laughs) The Republican Party is the expression of that. And so the problem here, and you brought up the election deniers, and I keep trying to tell people this, election denying is not a way to win elections, right? Mm -hmm. It literally undermines faith in the Mm -hmm. electoral system. Mm -hmm. It's actually about preparing people to not care about elections and to not care about votes and not care about liberal democracy and accept authoritarian rule. And we're seeing like record numbers of Americans who are saying we need like a dictator or a strong man to put Mm -hmm. things to right. right. So the Republican Party absolutely should become basically democratic party light and the democratic party should move left yes. like that's what makes sense yes but that doesn't make sense within this market economy wow that's interesting and that does make sense now i'm going to go to a thread that you said uh, something missing from all the co- coverage and discourses that anti-semitism and poisonous conspiracy th- conspiracy theories have been a central here this is so important have been a central component of conservatism from the very beginning this isn't new, and Trump didn't cause it. It's part of the entire project. Now, I just want to say on my own that I want you to talk about this thread that you wrote. But it's like, you know, I mean, we look we, we look at people like Bill Kristol or Joe Walsh yep. or, you know, some people at the Lincoln Project. Now, I, I just watched a, a series on the Lincoln Project on Showtime, and I thought it was really fascinating. And I, I feel like, and it's just called the Lincoln Project, yep. and I think it's worth watching and ultimately what I took from it is what I had always thought from the beginning. These people helped create the atmosphere for Donald Trump. They helped create what we're experiencing today. For whatever reason, whether it's money or opportunity or whatever, they understand that you know democracy is dying and so now they're fighting for it. And they have been criticized because they don't put their money in certain races. But the way I look at it is, well, you know what? They're messengers. And if they, you know, and, and if Democrats are going to send them money, I'd rather them send it to politicians or to the candidates or whatever. But that, that, they could do that. They have a pack. They could do what they want with it. They are putting out a strong message. I don't know if I can fully, fully, fully trust them because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Right now, they're fighting on the side of democracy and they're lining their own pockets. And I think they're all fighting and infighting and whatever. But it's like you look at Bill Crystal and you look at Joe Walsh and I do think that they understand that they were part of something that created what we're going through now. But I think that the rest of us, when we look at somebody and go, I can't believe I'm, you know, I'm, I'm agreeing with Bill Crystal or something like that. It drives me nuts because it's like I don't want to hate on these people, and I am friendly with Bill Crystal, although I will argue with him if I think if I think he's wrong. But it's like you're the central component of conservatism is anti-Semitism and and racism and misogyny. So I just I don't know it, it, how do we deal with that because it's it, it's it is who they are. But. And you wrote this thread about it, so I want to hear about it because it's it's upsetting to me, and I don't want to hate on the people who are conservative and now go, okay, I get it, I get it, we're losing democracy. <laughs> How do we deal with that? Well, I'll just go ahead and say, and, and I want to talk a little bit about the history of it here in a second and, and what the Republican Party, uh, particularly a certain wing of it, is trying to cover up and move beyond. But I want to say something. I, I'm 41 years old. I, I was in college in 2003 when we invaded Iraq. Like, Bill Crystal follows me on Twitter for God knows what reason. Because <laughs> he follows I am, me too. <laughs> because I am a redistribution leftist, you know? And Bill Crystal, and, and, and here's the thing, like, I've, I've, I've had conversations with people who know Bill Crystal. Mm-hmm. I've always said he's a very smart, kind mm-hmm. man. Bill Crystal is one of the reasons we do not have universal health care mm-hmm. in this country. Mm-hmm. He is one of the reasons why a million people died in the war on terror. I mean, the, these are the consequences of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sick to watch people rehabilitate George W. Bush mm-hmm. and Dick Cheney. And, you know, because they're not Trump, you know. Right. And that whole thing is about this major realignment in America in which the Democratic Party is now composed of both moderate Democrats mm-hmm. plus also old Republicans. Mm-hmm. The Lincoln Project, Bill Crystal, David Frum, you name it, they have attempted to take over the Democratic Party. Yes. And the, and the reason is because, and this is important, 
So the last few decades have been running based on what I call the neoliberal consensus. This was something that changed in the 70s and then in the 80s and was particularly championed by Ronald Reagan. Eventually, the Democrats said, well, we can't beat Reagan, so we need to be like Reagan. Mm -hmm. And since then, they abandoned basically every major platform that they had and moved towards, uh, you know, pro-market, privatization, market solutions, all of that, and basically left a lot of people without any representation whatsoever. The problem in all of this is this fairy tale that these people want to tell. And right now, the chief fairy tale teller is Liz Cheney. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I I have a lot of problems with the January 6th commission. I actually think it's been a very slick product. I think it's done some good work. But from the very beginning, I told everybody they're only going to talk about Donald Trump and Mm -hmm. they're not going to talk about who funded January Mm -hmm. 6th and who funded Trumpism because it's the same donors that Mm -hmm. these people get money from yeah and that's republican and democrat Mm -hmm. and i actually i have a source uh i I want to be careful in how i talk about this i have a source on one of the staffs of one of the members of january 6th and they've said listen this is being hidden explicitly we're very pissed off about this but i knew that's what was coming Mm -hmm. right because liz cheney and certain quote-unquote respectable republicans have to tell you a story Mm -hmm. and the story is this we were just simple, small government, <laughs> yeah, fiscally right. responsible Republicans. I don't know where this Trump thing came from, but my God, we need to get past him so we can get back to normal. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? The origins of conservatism are based in conspiracy theories. They're based in anti-Semitism. And why? Because they believe that there is a rightful elite That is the basis of conservatism, that there are people who are better than other people who should have the power and the money. Mm -hmm. They are anti-liberal democracy, anti-representative government, and they have always gone down that path. They always have. It just so happens that they did it behind closed doors. (laughs) Donald Trump said the quiet part loud. Right. And when he said the quiet part loud – one of the things that happened is there are a lot of country club Republicans. Mm-hmm. I like to call them Scotch room Republicans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, they read the national review. They're up on philosophy. They all went to Ivy league schools. And then they looked down at their base who became the MAGA base. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, we'll take their votes and we'll stoke their, you know, fear and paranoia and racism, but they shouldn't lead the party. Mm-hmm. And what has happened <laughs> is that Frankenstein's monster mm-hmm. got loose And when that happens, they now feel abandoned by their party, and it's almost like this group of people got in the life rafts from a sinking ship, and then they got on another ship, and they're like, hey, let me tell you how you should uh, run this ship. I got some ideas. Totally. And (laughs) – yeah. That's and that's 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 it basically in a nutshell at this point. They are trying to take over the Democratic Party, and if they're if they can get back to the Republican Party, they will. But that that monster is loose. Mm -hmm. Wow, so interesting. All right, uh, we have to take a quick break, but we will be back after this message. Oh, hi, it's Kimberly. Are you my patron? Why aren't you my patron? If you just go to patreon.com slash start me up, you're going to see all the tiers I offer. You're going to see so much. You're going to see everything. Just go to patreon.com slash start me up and become my patron today. You won't regret it. Okay, we are back. Yeah, I just have a, I mean, I have such a I I would love if the if the Democratic Party went in the direction that you first mentioned where you have uh the like the moderate Democrats and then I don't want to say far left, but more to the left. That's where I would be because I consider myself a pragmatic kind of progressive where I'm I'm extremely progressive, but I I understand what we're dealing with. And so because of what we're dealing with right now, I'm not going to get my way. And, and at least not initially. So um, it's frustrating to me to see. I do think Biden has done a pretty good job with what he's been working with, but it's frustrating for me to see people, you know, I, we're here, you know, people love Liz Cheney and uh, Democrats, I should say. They love Liz Cheney, but I don't know if they're all if they all even realize that there, there is a video of Don Winslow has posted it more than once, but there's a video of her talking about how I think I, I can't remember how she phrases, but it's basically like either deciding to kill your 
baby yeah. after it's been born or like in the ninth month or something. It's bullshit. She's lying. It's not just that she believes this and she's spouting misinformation. She's absolutely lying on purpose. She doesn't believe in the Voting Rights Act. She didn't vote for it. She's not our friend with the exception of, you know, being pro-democracy. And that's it. And I'm happy that she's pro-democracy. I'm glad. But I feel like, you know, when the Lincoln Project came out, all the Democrats were loving them. And, and, and it's understandable because so many Democrats were upset and pissed off that the Democratic Party itself was not having certain kind of messaging, which I just have to say, usually it's not the party. It's usually outside groups that form the messaging. And that's exactly what the Lincoln Project does. So I think it's, you know, yeah, the, the, the Democratic Party could be better at how they message. But ultimately, that's going to come from the we need a Frank Luntz on our side. We need mes- we need those kinds of messengers and super PACs who create the, the messaging that goes out there because it usually does not come from the party. But that said, the, you know, people were so excited for, for the Lincoln Project because Rick Wilson, no matter what you think of him, which I, my opinion isn't that high, but I will give the guy that he's really good at what he does. He's very sarcastic. He can be funny and he punches. He punches them in the throat. And that's what, you know, we're, we're so upset by what we're seeing. So Democrats are cheering, yay, the Lincoln Project are so, they're so wonderful. And it's like, I'm, I'm not on the, oh my God, I love them. Oh my God, I hate them spectrum. I'm the kind of in the middle where I'm like, all right, I'm glad that they're saying some of the things that Democrats don't say. Um, and I don't really care if they make money from it. I just don't want them to, you know, five years down the road, see an opportunity to take us back to the right or something like that. So it's like, what, what would you have to say to the Democrats who are so quickly and easily impressed? It's like they're so impressed by right-wingers who right now maybe will just say something that doesn't sound crazy. Well, there's a couple of things happening there, and we gotta we got to have a hard conversation here in a second. Mm-hmm. But I want to say, first of all, the Democratic Party's problem to a large part is that it has been absolutely possessed and dominated by a strategist class. Mm-hmm. And these are people who have made millions of dollars losing elections left and right and do not have actual principles. They don't care if they win. They don't care if they lose. Uh, and as a result, the Democratic Party, since that realignment that I was talking about, they have been going out after just completely fictional uh, independent voters who are made uncomfortable by, like, you know, progressive ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one problem. But here's yeah. another problem that is – and I'm so sorry to come on your podcast and talk about <laughs> tough stuff. That's, okay. um, That's why you're let's, here. <laughs> uh, let, let's, uh, listen, we've known each other a while. We can speak hard truths. The problem is that a lot of Democratic voters and a lot of liberals, um, sometimes they don't actually believe what they say. Mm-hmm. They don't actually have the principles that they think that they do. And this is not an American phenomenon. Um, this is actually something that has taken place in cycles around the world. Um, you know, everybody likes to talk about Adolf Hitler as if like, oh, my God, Kimberly, he, his speeches were so good. It just drove people crazy, you know. Um, we don't like to talk about that one of his major power bases was the middle class. Yeah. And it was a lot of liberals who – yeah, they thought that Hitler was disgusting, but also he was going to protect their property. Mm-hmm. He was going to protect them from leftist and socialist and communist. And man, they really wished that the Nazis wouldn't beat people up. But, you know, they really yeah. wanted to like have that protection. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that happens is, going back to the idea of a professional managerial class, we've all seen this. We've mm-hmm. seen this in action. We've seen these corporations who don't give a shit about anything mm-hmm. except for making money. They, they'll put out there, they'll be like, today, let's remember Martin Luther King Jr. Right. Like, no, you don't <laughs> actually care about Martin Luther King Jr. You're doing that so people will think that you're on the right side, mm-hmm. right? Like the, like the thing that we keep hearing now from like Marjorie Taylor Greens is woke corporations. Mm-hmm. They're not woke. No. They're actually they think that there's money to be made mm-hmm. by giving people products that feel like they're quote unquote woke. Mm-hmm. There's not an ideology, there's a marketing opportunity, right. right? When it comes to a lot of democratic voters and a lot of liberals and Trump made this happen. You have a lot of so-called resistors, you have a lot of never trumpers. Nobody liked Trump except for a very small group of people. Right. Except for like the millions of people who voted for him and and identify themselves as Trump voters. Everybody else 
he was disgusting. He was repellent. Yeah. You could say, I don't like Trump, and that, that, that like didn't cost you anything. Right. You could put up a sign that said, in this house, we believe in science. You could have put up a Black Lives Matter sign. Those things don't cost you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And when we start talking about and, – and actually, going back real fast to something you said. You said that those are your beliefs, but you don't know if we can necessarily have them, that, that sort of leftist or progressive movement. I actually think that we can. And I think that the answer is to actually just go after these things and stop game theorying everything mm -hmm. and, and going through that lens because that's where the moderates take control. Yeah. And the reason that the uh, everything from uh, the Lincoln Project to quote unquote respectable respectable Republicans, the only reason that they gain a lot of this power and cachet is because there are a lot of people, white people middle-class people, affluent people, media people, you name it, there are a lot of them that have money and power and influence, and they don't want to chance it. Mm -hmm. They don't want to lose it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm starting to have really weird conversations where people are like, well, maybe Ron DeSantis isn't that bad. Right, yeah. Right? And this is also why every time you look at the New York Times or the Washington Post, it's like, woke campus culture is out mm -hmm. of control. Or should there really be trans therapy for you know yeah. teenagers? And it's like they are technically a corporatist, centrist, or center-right viewpoint. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the crisis that I was just discussing, when it comes down to what is going to happen in our economy and in our politics, they have already shown a willingness to accept this stuff. Mm -hmm. And people need to understand Ronald Reagan had a lot of people who voted for him who were Democrats. Yeah, there were uh, our media loved him, mm -hmm. and why? Because of greed. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot going on there where they want the old Republican Party back, so they can have someone protect their wealth, protect their influence, protect their station, and not have to chance like some sort of big upheaval. Mm -hmm. So this is actually going to be one of the larger things that we're going to be dealing with over the next few years, unfortunately. Where, where, how do you think Gen Z plays into this? Because obviously they they have come out since Donald Trump. And I think, you know, this past election, the killing of Roe v. Wade really woke up a lot of young people. Add to that, you know, the student debt. Add to that the gun, you know, the gun massacres in schools, as well as climate. And we're seeing them come out in big numbers right now for Warnock and you know the, the the we've got the old school way of thinking and then all these new young people are politically engaged so how do you see that playing out well i mean that's one of the bigger questions we have a weird phenomenon in this country where the baby boom generation is living longer and holding on to their jobs and their positions mm -hmm. longer than anybody imagined they would and so you know it's for a lot of gen xers they're saying around they're like when's my time you know well <laughs> probably not going to get it and you know, right now, you'd mentioned Joe Biden earlier. I think Joe Biden has done some decent things. You know, it just came out that he's going to go after the rail unions, I mm -hmm. think, in just an absolutely wrongheaded decision. He is a 20th century politician. Yes. He is a creature of the 20th century. He has been in the Senate and in the halls of power for so many decades now. Um, same thing happened with Pelosi. I thought Pelosi uh, stayed too long. I'm glad she's leaving. I hate the circumstances it happened under. It's, it's time for something to change, and people need to understand that Gen Z um, doesn't like the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. They don't like the Republican Party. They do not like the system as it is. They are hungry for something to be an alternative. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them right now, unfortunately, are sort of trying out fascistic, white supremacist ideas. Others are looking towards socialism, anarchism, communism. They want something besides what is happening now. And by the way, eventually it will get there. There's a mm -hmm. reason why the Republican Party is gaining power and purchase by sort of going after, uh, again, CRT, wokeism, all mm -hmm. that. It's because the baby boom generation is absolutely mortified by how open and leftist and yeah. different this generation coming is. But I, I, I think over time we're going to see that happen and we're going to see that change occur, but it also means that Republicans and the right and even some center-right Democrats are going to try and rig the system to try and make it permanent so that they're not going to be able to change anything. Yeah. And, and and there are a lot of variants in here. I mean, the Roe v. Wade conversation is like a really, really big conversation based on what happened, how it took place. And 
I mean, there, there are a lot of moving parts in this, but I do think that Gen Z is going to really want to change things. Okay, so yesterday somebody tweeted that Tim Pool, who is a yeah. horrible person, I guess it was a podcast, uh, with Nick Fuentes, yay, formerly of Kanye, and Milo Yiannopoulos. Now, I, okay, I, Milo has always made me incredibly uncomfortable. He should. And, yeah. you know, we see a lot of people on the left not taking people like Milo seriously. I think they do a little bit more now they, than they used to. But usually people like Milo, um, they've always concerned me because it's like while he's easy to mock and I, I've seen liberals dismiss him and he went away for a while. You know, he lost his, you know, I, I guess his publisher let him go. I think he remained, I don't know if he remained on Facebook. He was kicked off of Twitter. He was kicked off of a lot of things. And it really looked like for a while he was going away and he was changing his tune uh, just from what he used. He was talking about changing his tune. Now, all of a sudden, with this Trump having dinner with Fuentes and yay and all this stuff, people like Milo coming back into the picture. He might get reinstated by Elon Musk. Add Elon Musk to this because he tweeted out Pepe the Frog. But um, and Pepe the Frog is basically white supremacy. So I'm just wondering um, what you have to say about because I know that they're incredibly dangerous and you have a better way of expressing yourself sometimes than I do. So could you tell us why they're so dangerous? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot happening with all of this. And, you know, it's I want to say, first of all, with the Elon Musk thing, because I think he's sort of a Rosetta Stone in all of this. Um, what does that you know, mean? What do look- you mean he's a Rosetta Stone? Oh, a Rosetta Stone, like basically this is a way to sort of look at one person and be able to extrapolate larger meaning. Gotcha, okay. Um, so like with Elon, um, Elon Musk is, you know, whether you consider him or Putin the most, you know, powerful, wealthiest person in the world, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, this is an unwell person. Yeah. We are, we are watching him. We, we can have all kinds of theories about what's happening with Twitter and why it's happening. But this is a person who is having a, a meltdown in public mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh it reminds me a lot and i was thinking about this a lot today of the the original sort of uh part of this like when charlie sheen had his meltdown yes. and it dominated culture yeah and now it's a series of people who are not well like we have a mental health crisis in mm-hmm. this country period mm-hmm. and we have um you know it's elon musk uh yay is having a breakdown mm-hmm is absolutely like just going you know just in like a death spiral of unwellness at this point it's and it's uh finding part and passage with everybody from nick fuentes to milo yiannopoulos it's the exact same with donald trump i mean donald trump is another mm-hmm. one of these rosetta stones and you look and you say oh my god this is a really really unwell person and the right at this point has become an expression of sort of postmodern neoliberal madness, right? They have everything. They have all of the money. They have all the power. And it's still not enough, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're being shadow banned. There are these conspiracies against them or, you know, it's, it's women, it's gay mm-hmm. people, it's Jews, you name it. And in all of this, like what is occurring is that there has become a political movement and this is what fascism was this is what nazism was it's what all of these movements are about it's about the powerful who suddenly like decide that the entire world in some way shape or form has to be inflicted Mm -hmm. with their own misery and paranoia and so what takes place unfortunately is people like fuentes people like milo yiannopoulos they take it and people need to remember This is what happened with Donald Trump in 2016. Donald Trump was considered an outsider. He was considered someone who could never win the presidency. And who surrounded him? Alex Jones and the Mm alt-right, right? It was white supremacists, white nationalists, Steve Bannon's whole cadre of people. And what occurs is that that shit becomes more and more normalized. Like, Elon Musk didn't just tweet Pepe. He also made, like, a passing reference, it seemed like, to 88, which is part of white supremacist lexicon. Like, these people are continually pushing the envelope, and it becomes more and more normalized. Mm -hmm. So, yes, is it absurd what what Kanye is doing, going around saying all this stuff? Absolutely. It's batshit insane. But it also makes it more normal on mm-hmm. the right. And as our media and as our pundits mm-hmm. and as our politicians don't take it seriously, it allows that infection to grow. Mm-hmm. And so what it actually does, and this is the larger thing, and, and, and I'll bring it home with this, 
the people who support Trump, the people who support the Republican Party, the people who are part of this authoritarian project, they're not well either. Yeah. They're terrified. They've also been told the problem's not you. Don't go to therapy. Don't reconsider who you are. Don't take stock in who you are. All of these things are weak and ridiculous and mm -hmm. awful. The problem isn't you. It's everybody else. This is a larger existential crisis. And it's part of the fact that America's greed and consumerism and white supremacy and patriarchy, all of that has gotten to a fever pitch. And, and these people are going to believe not just anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. We're talking about neo-Nazi ideology. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it makes it possible because, again, that's what fascism and Nazism did. It told people the problem's not you. The problem is this conspiracy, and you need to double down and triple down mm -hmm. and be a part of this. And that's exactly what's happening right now. Wow. Oy vey. Well, yeah, and I just want to tell everybody these people are dangerous, you know, just because yes. they're not legislators or they don't have political power. They actually do have political power because they have influence over the Republicans. I mean, there was that one tweet that stayed up by I, it was somebody in the, the House GOP, I think, and it was Kanye Elon Trump. That's all they yeah. posted. And so, yes, it matters. And it, it, it is it's kind of like back and forth. They feed each other. Last thing yes. I want to ask you about, though, um, and I'm just curious what you have to say. Obviously, I'm sure you've seen the debate on Twitter about Garland and all this stuff. And now special counsel Jack Smith is part of the mix. Um, I'm just going to throw in what I kind of think because I don't take I'm not taking any kind of sides here. I'm not a Garland cheerleader. I don't hate him. I just I feel like more more, more than likely we're going to be disappointed um, with whatever happens. But I can't believe that nothing is going to happen. I think something will happen. I think we will see some indictments. And, and if it's not Donald Trump specifically, then it would be people close to Donald Trump. I do think there's a good chance he would get indicted. If he does, I don't know that he would ever have to go to jail. So where do you stand in all this debate? And how do you think Jack Smith is going to, uh, what, he's gonna, what is he going to do? Like, what do you anticipate from him? Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll say this. Nobody has ever lost money betting on the American legal system not benefiting white people. Right, exactly. Uh, I've said this all along because, I, I, you know, going back to real fast to the idea of Nick Fuentes, there's a lot of room in the American political economy for people to peddle false hope. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, oh, don't worry, the walls are closing in. This is the thing. And unfortunately there's become this small account well it's probably not that small i mean my god millions of dollars probably have been like made by people basically being like don't worry donald trump's gonna get his mm -hmm. well so I, I this is a hard thing to talk about but it is the way that things work it's not black and white it's not open and shut mm -hmm. the united states legal system and the power structure has absolutely no desire to prosecute a former president mm -hmm. none i don't care who it is george w bush mm -hmm. um, donald j trump they don't want to if you start prosecuting former leaders of the united states of america mm -hmm. it will never end Exactly. Because yeah. to be president is to basically commit crimes, <laughs> and it's basically the person designated to commit crimes on behalf of the American empire. So they do not want to do it. The problem here is that Donald Trump has kind of forced their hand. Yeah. <laughs> he won't go away. Yeah. And, and, and he, he – he creates a really unique problem in American history because on one hand, he didn't really want to be president. Mm -hmm. Like that's not actually what he wanted to do. He wanted to run for president and create a media empire. He sort of backed into it because the media needed him and the Republican party needed him and a whole host of other things that we don't have to get into. He becomes president. He doesn't like being president. He doesn't really work at it. He doesn't really prepare at it. He's miserable doing it. He then gets defeated. It would be the best thing in Donald Trump's interest and the American interest for him to be a former president, mm -hmm. to be the guy who hailed to the chief plays and he comes out and shakes your hand before mm -hmm. your wedding. Like that's his idea yeah. life. But he can't stop. That's the problem. Going back to that like unhealthiness. Mm -hmm. A person like Donald Trump can have billions of dollars and all the power in the world. He still needs more because he's hollow. He's empty. So he has to keep doing this. And on top of that, it makes too much money running for mm -hmm. president. Right? I mean, it's an incredible thing. Well, 
the system wants him gone Mm -hmm. period they do not want him running for president they do not want him in power again he served his purpose the system is ready for either whatever happens next with the democratic party or ron DeSantis Mm -hmm. or whatever they want him gone it has been one warning shot after another since he announced that he could run for president Mm -hmm. it's not a coincidence that he announced he was going to run for president and then a couple of days later jack smith comes in (laughs) and looks like he means business yeah So I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I feel like an indictment or something is more likely because he will not go away on Mm -hmm. his own. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I still know that this system does not want to punish powerful white men. And on top of that, like, I, uh, I'm not going to peddle false hope. I'll believe it when I see it. Mm -hmm. But, um, I got to say, I think he's made a pretty open and shut case for being indicted. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think there are just too many things out there. I think your point to the system doesn't want him anymore, especially the right wing doesn't want him anymore. They don't want him to run for president. He's just a big fat pain in their ass. And, you know, they they needed him before. But before they knew they needed him, they hated him. And then they had to rally behind him. And so I'm I'm just going to have to go back. I, I've talked about this before, but I swear I had this dream in 2015 and I, I feel like I know what it means now. But it was before Trump came into the picture. And I'm sorry for, for those who have heard the story before, but I just have to share. So I dreamed that it was very, very vivid. And I dreamed that there was this huge elephant head and it was just the head in my living room. And it was floor to ceiling, you know, maybe a foot away from the ceiling and took up the entire living room. So you could not get it out of a door or and it was hard to remove. And the head was gasping for breath and then it died. And I remember thinking, how the hell am I going to get this out of my house? And when I first woke up from that dream, I was terrified because I thought, you know, in terms of an elephant, I wasn't thinking in terms of political parties. I was thinking about benevolent elephants uh, elephants, and how they're usually these loving creatures. And I thought it was going to mean something, I, somebody I loved dying. But no, I think what it was was a prescient dream that the head of the Republican Party is killing the elephant. Well, I think Trump is the, at, or has been the head of the Republican Party even after leaving, you know, after being voted out. But it's like, and he's, he, he is dying now. He's gasping for breath. He was literally gasping when he had COVID. But, you know, he's gasping for breath. And at some point, he's going to die. And, and I, when I say die, I don't necessarily mean physical death. I mean, like, he's no longer has any control over the party. That may mean when he dies. I don't know. But ultimately... We are left with this dead elephant head in our living rooms and we have to clean it up. And I think that's that's what I was that's what my dream meant. <laughs> well, for, first of all, that sounds like one of my melatonin dreams. I, I don't even. Uh, I, man, I, if you if you curse me with that, we're gonna we're gonna have words. Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's I think that's really interesting that the analysis of that because one of the things that's happened here and I want to make it very clear: um, Donald Trump is not very well understood in American politics. Um, you know, when he got in, and of course, a large part of what happened was it was the direction of people like Steve Bannon, yeah. white nationalists. What happened was that Donald Trump became a figurehead for millions of Americans who felt like things were changing in ways that they had no idea how to deal with them. Mm-hmm. Right? They didn't feel like they had anyone who supported them, which they really didn't. And they didn't have any explanation of what was going on. And by the way, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, neither one of them explains to people what has happened over the last few decades with neoliberalism and globalism, right? Mm -hmm. They don't really talk about it because they were responsible. (laughs) Like both parties were. Yeah. So Donald Trump gets in power because that message is Steve Bannon's message and the white nationalist message or whatever. Well, what ends up happening is he gets into office and immediately he doesn't want to govern. He doesn't want to read a briefing, much less (laughs) govern. And what happens? Basically, the Heritage Foundation runs his administration. And, you know, it, it actually doesn't, like, address neoliberalism. What it actually does is it actually like exacerbates it Hmm. what happened under donald trump was that trillions of dollars were handed over to the wealthiest people that's that was the entire purpose of it and the dismantling of uh the federal government basically every person in trump's cabinet 
wanted to destroy their cabinet position, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And basically what has occurred is that the right-wing GOP intelligentsia and media have discovered, okay, here's what Donald Trump did, here's how we can reverse engineer it, and here's how we can use it for our own purposes. He is no longer useful to them. Yes. He is a proverbial head, dead head mm-hmm. in a living room that you have to get rid of. <laughs> and the problem in all of this, and, and this is something we're going to have to keep an eye on, they the, the best that they have right now is Ron DeSantis. Yeah. If Ron DeSantis ends up on a debate stage with Donald Trump, (laughs) Donald Trump will eat him alive. (laughs) He will destroy him because Donald Trump is Donald Trump. And you you can do an impression of him. But look what he did to the last field. He eviscerated them. (laughs) Yes, he did. And, and and the thing is, say what you want about him, he is a celebrity. Mm-hmm. He is a star. He knows how to perform. Ron DeSantis doesn't know how to hold his hands, you know? <laughs> and so what they need desperately, it's, it's almost like on a chessboard. Mm-hmm. There are certain pieces you want to get off the board because they're <laughs> yes. too dangerous. Right. The Republican Party needs Donald Trump off the board. Yeah. They need to get him out of the way so they can bring in quote unquote serious people. And by mm-hmm. the way, if Ron DeSantis, I listen, Kimberly, I'm I, I, I say this sometimes. Mm-hmm. I always want to preface it. I am not giving Ron DeSantis any advice. <laughs> I don't want to give the Republican Party any, any <laughs> advice. But I want but I do want to prepare people for things. The missing element right now in the authoritarian right wing GOP movement is this. It's militarism. Wow. It's a veteran. It's yeah, getting true. behind the quote unquote yeah. stars and stripes yes. and finding ourselves a military mission and, and all that iconography. DeSantis has that. Mm-hmm. And if you take Christian nationalism, this white supremacy, these conspiracy theories, and you mix it with militarism, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have the perfect recipe for national conservatism and just a really, really bad situation. Yeah. And Ron DeSantis can do that, but if Donald Trump gets to him first, mm-hmm. that won't happen. Wow, that's so interesting. I didn't think about it that way, but you're absolutely right. And I mean, I kind of, I, I don't like these times that we're living in for obvious yep. reasons, but I'm so, I want to see Donald Trump go after DeSantis so badly. You know, it's well, like, and, oh. and I just want to say, we, this is the thing, like you and I are political sickos. Let's be real. <laughs> like, and I say that all the time. Like I, I try really hard because... You know, these are serious things we're talking yeah. about, like people's lives and not right. just like people's lives, but the human race itself with global climate mm-hmm. change, like a lot is on the line. But really the reason and, I, and this is the way it is for people who listen to my podcast and undoubtedly people who listen to your podcast. These are people who are really fascinated by how power plays mm-hmm. out and how scenarios play out. We are in a fascinating moment. Yes, we like, are. It is a really, and, and if you're a political sicko who's interested in how these <laughs> things work, and I know that both you and I are, like, there are so many different avenues. There are so many different realities in play right now. And I'm with you. Like, I I want to see them yeah. up on stage playing Demolition <laughs> Derby. But at the same time, I want Donald Trump held accountable. Yes. And so yes. you have to you have to be able to sort of like move these things around and understand how many different scenarios are in play. Wow. Yeah, I'm totally a political sicko. <laughs> yep. That's so funny. And it's so true. And what's really funny about that is no one would have guessed that about me 20 years ago. No one. And, and so, but as I, you know, I'm 54. So when I, I would say my political, my real political um, sicko-ness, I guess, started with the hanging Chad. You know, that that's yep. what got my, I mean, I was paying attention kind of. And then, um, yeah. And then I, and then my mom, who has always been, um, interested and loud about politics was screaming throughout the Bush presidency and to the point where people were like, please don't email me anymore because you're just, you know, too much politics. And they just didn't understand what was happening. Of course, now they're all like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> it's like, you yeah. just didn't want to know. But uh, so I would hear her. I wasn't so into it myself, but now I am in the thick of it. And yeah, it's so fascinating. And we do. It's like, may you live in interesting times. We absolutely do. And um, thankfully, there are people like you to help break it down and 
make it so that people like me can understand it and, and even see it with more nuance. So I do appreciate you for that because you're so smart and I love you. <laughs> I just love when like, it's been too long, but I love having you on the show. You have such a, I just have to take this moment to like give you praise because you, you absolutely deserve it. But you, you know, I mean, you, you say things that are very difficult to hear and you say things that are true and it's just like the inconvenient truth. And as much as, so many people I mean a lot of people like to stick their fingers in their ears and go la 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 but I feel like we can't do that we can we can never afford to do that we always have to look at the truth deal with reality and when we do that we do have the opportunity to make things I don't want to say right but you know what I mean to make them more comfortable to make life happier and easier and I think you know you're one of those truth tellers and aside from that you're just you're just such a good person so I just want to say that because I just love you to pieces and I've never met you but I do <laughs> well I love you to death too and that means a lot to me and you you I, listen this is turning into I know it's like a love fest <laughs> here. I, I, I think that you bring such a warmth to this stuff even while it's hard and I, I want to say very quickly I want to be honest about this like I want to be radically open about this because yeah life was not good before 2016 yeah donald trump did not ruin normal normal sucked yeah and since the neoliberal consensus um took over from the new deal consensus and matter, matter of fact there were problems with the with the new deal consensus mm -hmm. you know america is based on white patriarchal supremacy and it's just something we need to deal with but it's also based on a capitalist system that isn't fair mm -hmm. and this system doesn't work and part of the problem is we all know it doesn't work right now. Yeah. And that means that we can either burn it down and go into a suicide spiral right. of neo-fascism, yeah. or we can take a look in the mirror, question who we are, how we operate, and what we do, and make things better. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I want to put it on the interpersonal basis. It's like two people who aren't really communicating well there's a, a growing divide between them there every time the other one speaks they just get more and more pissed off mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. and instead of doing that you can just sit down and say hey things haven't been good lately let's talk about that yeah like let's have an actual frank conversation right. because when you engage in radical honesty, when you deal with this stuff, when you actually manage to have constructive conversations and deal with things where they are, as opposed to making heroes and saviors out of politicians, which you never should. Yeah. Like nobody is your messiah. No one's going to save you, right? Mm -hmm. You th These are people that are in office and they – like you should really pressure them. Yes. <laughs> like, you should not like, and notice what happened with Donald Trump. It's like they created an entire alternate religion around yeah. him to never question. What right. We have to have hard conversations. And the reason we have to do it is because there is a better world possible. Mm -hmm. We can live longer, better lives. We can feel better. Mm -hmm. um, we can, there are real actionable things. And when we start realizing that and we start working towards that, we're going to get there. And that's the only way we're going to get there is to start having some inconvenient truths, taking stock of ourselves and yeah. changing and healing. And I think we can. 100%, 100%. So, all right. And that's why I love you. See? All right. Um, before I let you go, tell everybody where to find you. Uh, sure. Again, the book is uh, The Midnight Kingdom, A History of Power, Paranoia, and the Coming Crisis. It's coming out in January. Pre-orders help. So if, if people want to go ahead and get that on their list, that'd be cool. Over on Twitter, as long as there's a Twitter, I'm at J.Y. Saxton. And uh, I have a substack called Dispatches from a Collapsing State. I would love it if people check that out. That's where I get uh, in the weeds a lot. And I would love it if you did that. And also, there's the Muckrake Podcast, which comes out every Tuesday with a Patreon episode on Fridays. Awesome. And just FYI, in the Patreon description of this show, I have included Jared's link tree. So all of his links are in there. I love link tree. It's so awesome. <laughs> and um, of course, I'm author Kimberly. I'm actually on post now. And it was funny because I created my post name and they go, okay, be careful. You can never change it. And so I wrote author Kimberly, but I, I put all lowercase. And <laughs> what was I thinking? Anyway, so I can't change it. But And I wanted to write my name, but you could only do up to 15 characters. And so my name is longer. So I thought, okay, author Kimberly. And it's like, I just wasn't thinking. Anyway, so you can find me on post. You can find me on Twitter, author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget the extra E. My books are on Amazon. Jared, thank you so much. And everybody go to his link tree and 
pre-order his book. <laughs> All right. I love you so much. Thank you for this. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.